Right now, I want to talk a little bit about uh, some of the larger issues surrounding what we have been talking about with blockades in Ottawa, with some of the divisiveness within our nation, etc. Jeffrey Myers is uh, a lecturer in the Faculty of Law out of Thompson Rivers University and and wrote up an article in theconversation.com worrying, I think, about uh, different conservative nods to Donald Trump and, and that sort of style of politics from south of the border and also says that it may be the charter of rights and freedoms that ends up saving us to explain what he means by that and uh, sort of explore this uh, this topic jeffrey myers joining us this morning on 630 jet good day sir how are you hi how are you thanks so much uh, for having me on uh, no problem happy valentine's day to you is there not not a lot of love in the country these days you get that feeling well you know what? My, Valentine's Day is the birthday of my son. My son was born seven years ago, so he took Valentine's Day, made it into his birthday, and that's good enough for me. So there you go. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, you sort of focus in on the article on Candace Bergen, who is the interim leader of the Conservative Party ever since yeah. uh, Aaron O'Toole's ouster, and 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 she has some some connections uh, to, to Donald Trump. There's that picture of her in a MAGA hat that people like to mm-hmm. like to share and stuff. But where were you coming from when you wanted to write this? Well, I mean, where I'm coming from is, I mean, for starters, the situation, I mean, the, the symbolic value, I think, of this is enormous. And there's no, there's no, it's no coincidence that there's an enormous interest in this story, for example, in the United States as well, right? Particularly in their political media, not just on the sort of, um, I guess, ex- sort of extreme right, um, you know, blogosphere and cable news network, um, you know, mega world, but also uh, on the more serious side of um, the journalistic world. Um, there's a lot of, you know, con- concern of what's going on in Canada and interest in what's going on and also an al- uh, being alive to the fact that there's American money throwing both through the GoFundMe and through other sources into you know, um, U.S., you know, Canadian, um, this Canadian convoy, right? So it's captured enormous attention. And obviously there's been copycats around the world as well. And so I've been interested because my own writing and, and research focuses on on the rule of law and how it's been changing, not for the better, uh, in the in the first couple decades of the 21st century. And my comparative cases are usually drawn from the U.K., the U.S., and Canada, um, so here is an opportunity in my own country, very up close, to see how some of the tendencies I've seen in some of those other countries and it are replicating themselves here. Namely, that uh, extremist positions are suddenly grabbing a toehold in mainstream center-right parties. Um, so that's that's part of, and that leads to a kind of normalization of authoritarian politics, and that's and and, and a viewing of them as populist, which I think is part of what we're seeing right now. What do you consider to be extremist views? I consider extremist views and I um, to be views which are not in keeping with, um, you know, on the scientific side, for example, you know, scientific or evidence-based, um, you know, consensus. Um, so things around, for example, you know, the denial of, you know, human-created or anthropogenic climate change or, um, you know, the, the reality that COVID-19 is a zoonotic, you know, disease which does respond to vaccines and does pose a serious threat to human uh, health and well-being. Um, you know, the 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 fact that six million Jews were killed in the Holocaust. I mean, you can go on and on. These are facts. And they're in my own interest, though, those are facts that are of interest also to historians, to scientists, to medical doctors. My interest as a lawyer 
specifically is in fact it, there's lots of things that are disputed by lawyers just like there's lots of things that are disputed by politicians but we're not in the we are not in the world of science there's, there's there's often no way to falsify our claims but things that are being said about the charter right now in the context of the so-called um, freedom convoy and also in many of the anti-vaccination organized anti-vaccination you know groups and politics are just plain wrong and so what do i mean by that I, the claims are all basically that the charter contains absolute rights of any sort for the first when the rights are articulated they're usually rights of conscious freedom of conscious or freedom of religion how those tie to the COVID-19 vaccine hasn't been established but assuming those rights are valid there's a section one in the constitution which I mentioned in the article is a proportionate weighing device which is the first and key provision of the constitution which tells us that any two any time a provision is in conflict with other interests or rights of the broader um, public, then there's a weighing that goes on. The courts have articulated over many years what that weighing looks like. But to my eyes, as somebody who teaches constitutional law, there's not much of a question that an, an inhaled disease that's killed 35,000 Canadians and millions worldwide merits uh, things like, um, you know, uh, having and I think mandates is the wrong word, right? Because mandates, as I say in the in the story, you know, implies that RCMP are going to smash down your door and put the jab in you without your consent. That clearly would go against the charter. Wouldn't be safe by section one. But we're talking about the privilege of having certain jobs or doing certain things. Yeah, that can be weighed. You know, same with masking, et cetera, et cetera. These are things which I don't think the courts are going to. And already, when the courts have started and begun to decide these things, they're seeing section one as in most cases, saving common sense. Are there uh, not, have there not been some challenges of regarding vaccine mandates for people going to a certain jobs in certain workplaces? And have well, those not been successful? There's been a lot, most of the litigation again around this is certainly not done yet. It's gonna wend its way you know, through the courts. And there's many different types of litigation going on. So like, for example, there's people in, who have employment law claims who are you know, litigating against their employer because, yes, as you say, maybe their employer is the federal government and because of a mandate, they've lost their job and they say, oh, well, I have to work at home. I never go in the office anyway, so why are they doing this? So that's legitimate. They've got their claim. We'll let that wend its way through the court. There are other people, for example, who have a human rights claim. I don't want to go to Costco and wear a mask. Many, many different claims. So it depends what you're talking about. The ones that I'm researching and interested on specifically are ones which are articulated through the charter. And those, there have been a few that have come through the courts, and some of them are going to be appealed and, and when their way up. But so far, the signs that we see are, you know, that the reasonable COVID-19, you know, limits around, you know, even where there's imperfect information, where governments and public health officers are relying on the science as it's available, um, then there's a degree of deference to that, especially also to the ex medical expertise of public health officers. And the idea that that expertise has been abused for the purposes of undermining people's freedoms or undermining, you know, the culture and the, 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 the democratic culture in Canada, that those those claims are very, very inflated and, and, and false. And you don't think that uh, there will be any of these charter challenges will, will actually fly? I don't think they will, but I mean, I can't say for sure. Every case is its own. I mean, I sure. wouldn't be much of a lawyer if I didn't acknowledge, as I do in the article, that every case is individualized. And, you know, in some cases, there'll be a use of discretion, uh, which will result in somebody's uh, an injury to someone's rights. And once that's established, the weighing mechanism goes on. And sometimes, yeah, of course, it's imperfect, but it hasn't been an opportunity for the government to enact mass tyranny. And if people are worried about their data, for example, being mined by things like vaccine passports, they should think again every time they log into Facebook. I mean, it's ludicrous. We have to be serious about the facts. 
Yeah. One more thing before I let you go. Uh, you talked right off the top about rule of law. That yeah. phrase has come up a hundred thousand times here in the last few yes. weeks. What do you think about the current situation uh, in Ottawa, the blockades, etc., regarding rule of law? Well, I thank you for asking me about that. I, I have a seminar that I do on rule of law where I talk with senior students, upper year students in law school about what is even meant by the rule of law, how the rule of law is understood, for example, in Canadian constitutional administrative law versus how it's used in the media and popular parlance. So it's very complicated when you speak about the rule of law. You um, you have to explain you know what you mean exactly. There are different elements to it. I think one of the elements to the rule of law that we hear most commonly now in connection with these protests, especially ones that have occupied key pieces of infrastructure, is the idea that either the police or the military should be called in um, to somehow intervene in the situation, right? And for me, that's a difficult situation. It's a difficult call because I have, for example, when I've seen principal blockades around on, as you may have gleaned from my comments, on environmental issues or the rights of Indigenous people, even on infrastructure, I've said I'm not sure that there's not a moral compulsion behind these. That while they formally break the law. They don't have some kind, they're not defensible in some way because maybe there's an ethical heft behind them. In this case, I don't feel there's an ethical heft, but that's my politics, and ultimately that is subjective, right? So, but I'm wary of just calling in the police or military to resolve problems that can be resolved other ways. That said, we're at week three, and, you know, uh, trucks and physical infrastructure and hot tubs uh, don't have freedom of expression. People do. And whenever I went to protest anything, I always went, took the bus down to the legislature or the parliament and joined hands with other protesters and uh, and made my voice heard. I didn't, you know, park up a truck convoy with my kids sleeping in the back and, you know, set up a bunch of, uh, um, you know, infrastructure in place that would uh, harass local residents. That's, that's, that's an intimidata- intimidatory and somewhat thuggish strategy. I don't know that it's free speech. Uh, interesting stuff. Jeffrey Myers, thanks for your time this morning. Appreciate it. I really appreciate your having me on, and I thank you for uh, giving me the time. All right. Have a good day. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. (laughs) For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.